Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin here. If you missed our draft simulation episode earlier this week, please listen to it. We had a lot of fun. Even if you're not a draft person, it's a lot of talk about where the team is going at a bunch of different positions. And then do your draft sims and send them. Don't forget Um, But a couple other topics that we didn't get to because we had a huge party doing our draft sims. The defensive back situation for the Vikings, Courtney, I was looking this week at the safety position, and there are a few safeties that are on the market that I can't believe are still there. And there have been reports that very good players are being overlooked or being offered very, very little money. And it strikes me that even though the Vikings don't necessarily need a safety, maybe one of these players might be worth paying a little more to have some depth and insurance at that position. What do you think? No, I agree with you. I think that if there's any other need on the roster, not necessarily an immediate one, but in terms of depth and in terms of what 2019 might bring, thinking, okay, Andrew Sandejo's cap hit goes from $3.5 million to $5.5 million. They're going to need him to restructure and, you know, all these other pieces. Maybe they let maybe they let him walk at that point, even though he's still, um, you know, I think he's still under contract in, 20, in 2019. 2019. Yes. So they but- couldn't, obviously they couldn't let, sorry, obviously they couldn't let him do it, but they would for, have to do a restructure there. But in terms of what this defensive backfield brings, that's the one position that you can go out and get cheaply right now in free agency because there's a lot of guys that are still available on the market. Eric Reed um, is one of you know the top names. Kenny Vaccaro. I mean, there there's certainly a crop out there that if you want to make an inexpensive uh, you know addition in the next wave of whatever you want to call this third wave of free agency, you certainly can. And the, those are the two names that really stuck out to me. Also, T.J. Ward, who mm-hmm. you will remember from Bronco fame. Um, was on the Super Bowl winning 2015 Broncos, and he signed with Tampa Bay last year, struggled. Tampa Bay had a really tough defense, a really bad defense, as you saw in one of Case Keenum's first games, and he didn't really fit in there. Also might not be the best cover safety at this point, but I think if what you're looking for, if you're Zimmer, 
is to have some versatility and situational players, which they have not used much on defense over the last few years. Another safety would give you that. And if you just go player by player, Eric Reed lined up a lot in a linebacker position because Mm -hmm. he's very good at stuffing the run. Same with TJ Ward. And there's also Trey Boston, who is a kind of deep center field safety who had six interceptions last year. Imagine getting six picks and no one will give you a job. Now I went back and found those picks and I see why there's a lot of boink. The ball goes up in the air and there's Trey Boston to catch it. Or someone wings it under pressure and Trey Boston, it falls into his hands at the same time. He's got some good production over the last few years as a center field type safety and maybe a situational guy that you bring in on third and long or something like that. It would be worth paying for, for a one year deal when you have the money, and if I'm not mistaken, they're around $18 million cap room. Yeah, anywhere from like 17.9 to like 19.25 or whatever. I I did a cap breakdown uh, this week at ESPN.com just to kind of see where the numbers were. And one thing that, you know, does intrigue me, as I mentioned, with Andrew Sandejo's cap situation, I mean, there is the chance, though. I mean, you there's no dead money. There's no more dead money, really, you know, this year or next year, if you did want to get rid of him. So, I mean, that is, um, you know, and not saying that they want to. I mean, they got a lot of production out of both him and Harrison Smith last year. They like the way their secondary looks, but you're constantly looking for that rotation. You know, somebody you can throw into, um, you know, that dime package. And you take a look, is Anthony Harris that guy? I don't I don't know. I mean, he's restri- he signed his tender. He's a restricted free agent after this season. It's a cost-effective addition, but... I don't know if a few starts here and there for Andrew Sandejo when he was injured or suspended really prove that he's much better than he was, um, you know, in 2016. I am with you on that. And if not for one really great play by Anthony Harris to cause a fumble by Cooper Cup at the goal line, maybe we would have looked at his season as a fill-in a little bit differently. And in 2016, he really struggled when teams attacked him. I also wonder this about Sandejo. Like, did we hit last year the top of the mountain for Sandejo? He's getting up there in age, too. Like, that's one thing I think you should think about. He's over 30. Yeah, and uh, did we just see the best season he's ever going to have is is my question because he seemed to be building up to that year where he would get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, but I can't help but wonder about the injury that happened Mm -hmm. to him in the uh, divisional game if that is going to have any sort of long-term effects or just if he's not going to be quite as effective as he gets into his thirties here. And what is your backup plan? If he struggles, Uh, is there a a guy that they're going to draft this year at the safety spot, which I I could definitely see neither you or, or I drafted one in our simulations, but it remains a possibility because I think you will eventually have to deal with that. Even if Harrison Smith loves playing with Sandejo, and even if they like what he's brought to the table over the last few years, if you're projecting forward with anybody who's over 30, you always project their, their production and their play to go down. And maybe bringing in another guy would be a way to limit some of the snaps on him because Zimmer has played all these guys every single snap of the last few years that he possibly could. And I mean, if you do bring in a guy like an Eric Reed or a Kenny Vaccaro, I mean, it's the ones that we're talking about that are available. I mean, they're not that much further behind, um, you know, in terms of the age factor. I mean, it's just, but it's more rotation. I mean, Mm -hmm. we talk about it with a defensive line. Why shouldn't it be the same thing in the secondary too? So where do we stand in your mind with Terrence Newman? Because Mm -hmm. 
if Newman comes back, I think that that was their answer last year because we had a lot of these same conversations about the safety position of why don't you get one more guy there other than just Anthony Harris and J. Ron Curse too, uh, but he's become more of a special teams player. Why don't you get one more guy just in case? And I think the answer was because Terrence Newman will go back and play safety if he has to, just like he did against Cleveland last year. Uh, it seems Newman wants to come back, but do you want him back? Or again, was it a situation where you got the best you were possibly ever going to get out of a 39 year old and you are really rolling the dice every time you ask him to come back and play a significant role? I mean, that game against the saints, I'm just, it's flashing in my head right now. That touch, it was at a Michael Thomas touchdown that Rhodes was out and, uh, and, um, I think he had to shift over, right? Yeah, that second yes. touchdown where you're, Terrence you're asking had, me to go back a while. Rhodes was not on the was not on the field for that. I mean, the those, second touchdown by Thomas. Yes, the okay. second one because the first one was against Rhodes, right? Yeah, but Rhodes went out. Remember, he went out. Yes. for the, he had a calf and I think another calf injury. Anyways, right. I agree with you because then it's like, okay, he does want to come back, and obviously he plays an important role there in the nickel package. But you know, the more you're playing him, is it you know, is it? hampering what the development could be for Mackenzie Alexander. I don't know. I mm-hmm. mean, he's had time to learn under under um, Terrence Newman, and that's been a very big positive, but it hasn't panned out yet because we just don't know. You know, this is really, I think, going to be Mackenzie Alexander's year to shine, um, you know, and he's going to have every opportunity to do so, kind of like a Laquan Treadwell situation where the opportunities aren't going away. It's just can you make the most of them? Uh- um I also think, though, that this is why, as we did both, you know, or I didn't do it in my mock. I would have if I could, but you did. And that's why they've got to draft a corner, use some draft capital pretty high on that. So would it be one scenario where they bring back Newman, but also draft someone or also add another veteran corner to go along? I think that would tell us a lot about where they stand with Mackenzie Alexander. They had confidence in Alexander last year and more or less named him the starter in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And then he lost the job in preseason. Yep. I wonder if they will repeat that mistake or if they'll say, look, we don't know where Alexander's really going to go, if he's going to take a next step or not. So we need to make sure we have an insurance policy there, because if you look at the wide receiver position, it's quite clear what signing Kendall Wright says about Laquan Treadwell, that we don't believe in you. So we got a full time player here, not just a rotational player like Jerry is right. So if they sign someone like Bryce Callahan's name had come up, but there have been other names that have come up too with the Vikings interest in nickel corners. If they sign one that's still on the market now, I think what that says is we think Alexander ceiling might just be a rotational guy who fills in and is kind of a backup is here's I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I do think that McKenzie has struggled to grab hold of that role for, you know, he's had the opportunity. He was projected as an outside corner coming out of college into the NFL. If by some chance they don't pick up Trey Wayne's option, is, is you test that market, is there a chance that McKenzie can fill in that role at outside? I mean, is it be opposite Xavier Rhodes in 2019? I do think we need to see more of him on the outside. And maybe he this year, instead of playing a full-time nickel or instead of continuing to try to force that, maybe they do say, okay, uh, we're going to kind of punt on that idea and we're going to fill him in at different times on the outside with Wayne's and with Rhodes just whenever they need a break and see how he performs in those situations. And I know that 
Uh, there was a statistic that was thrown around about the quarterback rating against Alexander in the nickel. But I, I looked into those plays and the interception that he had was a Kirk Cousins wrong throw to, I mean, maybe it was a miscommunication or something like that, that he just happened to catch. So when you look at those passer ratings against, they could tell you lies sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially when it's a really small sample, like it was with Mackenzie Alexander, it says much more that a 39 year old guy beat him for that full-time job. Uh, I will say yes to your question that it is possible. He is an outside type of corner and maybe they would pass it over to him if Trey Waynes decided to leave a couple years down the road at that point it's kind of hard to say where we would stand with him but I don't think that the Vikings should proceed as if they have a cornerback set there in him because we really don't know um do you have anything else on that or no I mean just like with I I think it's something that you have to take into consideration I mean I, I agree with you that safety is is huge coming up but given how many times that the Vikings use these nickel packages and then with your five defensive backs I'm looking at an old stat it's from 2016 but I think it kind of um, is relevant to the current pa- the current picture um, where the NFL average is 50.1 percent of the time they're using five D- DBs out in you know your nickel package and the Vikings were using 47.8 percent that was from 2016 if I remember correctly those numbers are very similar um, to to where they were, you know, in 2017. And I just think given the corner rotation that they were confident with last year, but now that we start to see kind of where the wheels could come off, that that is a priority that you address in the draft. And I imagine if you, regardless, sorry, regardless of whether, of what happens with Terrence Newman and Mackenzie Alexander. Yes. I'm a hundred percent with you there, especially since I drafted a corner, but I won't ruin that if people haven't listened to it yet. Um, and I imagine if you got rid of goal line situations and third and shorts, mm-hmm. you probably take that number up to 75% sure. or, or more with using nickel packages. So it's a starting job. It's a huge position. And uh, the Vikings did a great job with it last year, but also caught a major break that Newman was as good as he was. Yeah. He hadn't played the nickel corner in a decade and then stepped in and was fantastic. That's not something you usually expect. And either way, I mean, whatever happens with Terrence Newman, they're still trying to find what the plan is for years to come because there's a very slim chance he's going to be playing when he's 41. I mean, if he's playing when he's 40, that's that's obviously huge. But, um, you know, somebody that versatile who's played safety, who's played outside corner, who's played, you know, the nickel spot, who's been all over the place, that is such a huge asset that they're going to lose. And they're, you know, probably already starting to plan for what that looks like down the road. So even if he does come back, I think we're on the same page with him just playing a DB role wherever he's needed Mm -hmm. as a backup, as a fill-in, not as someone who should have a starting role and be relied upon. Um, The other thing that I I wanted to discuss is the Los Angeles Rams of Los Angeles (laughs) and just their moves this offseason. Do you think it works to bring in Marcus Peters, who had problems with his old team, and Dominican Sue, who had problems with multiple teams and also can't stop stomping people and things like that. But is both are great players. And Aqib Talib, which do not wear your chain when you play against Aqib Talib. <laughs> they brought in some volatile players here to this defense, but have stacked it up so they have absurd talent on both the defensive line and defensive secondary. Yeah, I mean, and with Wade Phillips as your defensive coordinator, I think anything's possible. I think that he is a master developer of talent, um, and 
immediately with the Sioux addition that they became one of the favorites in the NFC. Um, you know, obviously in the NFC West for sure the favorite, but particularly the conversation of, you know, the conversation the Vikings are in. Like the Vikings entered elite defensive line level conversation with Jacksonville and Philadelphia the day they signed Sheldon Richardson and then may or may not have got kind of sideswiped um, by Los Angeles with this move. And it's not specifically just the fact that it's in Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald in this three, four scheme. Don't forget Michael Brockers. He is such a huge part of what they do Had four and a half sacks last year, a ton of pressures and, you know, is really a key thing to making this whole machine work. Rank the NFC right now for me as you see it where do the vikings stand strongest rosters in the nfc hmm. i'm gonna put them in uh, just to go through this in my head i have the list here on my cellular device have- if you want to uh, just refresh yourself it is the off season i mean, i'm gonna put phil i still put philadelphia number one i still do i probably am gonna put the vikings third to be honest with you behind the rams behind the rams um, and that's just because of a lot of their defensive additions. I mean, the Vikings really had a outside of the like first bang 48 hours, all that they had a quiet free agency period. And that's not saying that you have to every single year go nuts in free agency with these mega deals, but you know, and Dominican Sue's a game changer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, obviously, you know, wasn't a good fit in Miami. They had a lot of bad fits there on that team the last few years, but you know, I do think that this is in the right situation, in the right scheme to make him, um, you know, an elite level, you know, take his elite level game one step further. So if we agree that Philadelphia, Super Bowl champs, they belong there. Yeah. And the Rams. Rams number two. Number two with some question marks. Mm-hmm. Um, they also add Brandon Cooks, which is big for them. Where did the Saints stand to you? Because they've had a good offseason, too. Are they behind the Vikings? I'd probably put them at four. I'm going to put Vikings at three right now just because, I mean, and they're only going to continue to add more weapons offensively. Um, It's going to be a fun passing game to watch. The NFC North is going to be awesome. Um, Everybody else gotten better in the NFC North, too, though. So, you know, do you put the Saints at four and then Packers at five? Or do you put the Packers at four and then the Saints at five? I mean, and, you know, where do you factor Atlanta into there? Seven? Six? Yeah, the NFC is a nightmare. It's loaded this year. And, I mean, I think that you could even, you know, honestly, whatever the Giants do, I mean, they'll probably be top ten. How about San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, San Francisco, like, taking all of Seattle's leftovers and, um, you know, making the NFC West competitive again, they're definitely eight. Maybe put them at eight. And then who do I have at nine? I said Giants, I'll put as ten. I'll cap them at ten right now. Um, Carolina? Carolina belongs in there, yeah. and maybe even uh, Washington with Alex Smith yeah. is a, a team that maybe deserves to be around there. Tampa Bay has really improved their defensive line yeah, they have. this offseason by, uh, what do they get, uh, Bo Allen and Jason Pierre-Paul. Yeah, uh, so they've made big improvements there. Detroit has a new coach, and we'll see what happens there. So there are a scheme. Lot of, yeah, there are a lot of uh, tough questions, but I, I think I put – Right now, I think I put New Orleans a shade ahead because they have Drew Brees. And I know you beat him last year in the Minneapolis Miracle, but it took a miracle to beat him. Mm -hmm. And if he's still playing like he was last year, 
I, I'm always going to give that slight edge to the all-time great quarterback. So uh, what we end up with is, even though the Vikings have improved, maybe at the quarterback position, I say maybe because if Kirk Cousins has the same year Keenum had last year, it's really good. If he's top 10 in quarterback rating and top 10 pro football focus, that's what you're hoping for. They just didn't believe Keenum could repeat it. And then if the def- the defensive line is as good as it looks, they're up there. It's just where do they exactly rank, I think, is a little tough to figure out. I think because of the additions, and obviously with Philadelphia, it's the depth. Um, if we were talking about Jacksonville, too, I mean, if we're, not, if we're talking about the AFC, obviously we throw Jacksonville in there. But um, that's why I like those two defensive lines in terms of what – the whole picture is because we, we're not certain about this defensive line rotation, as you mentioned with, I think on our last podcast, just with, you know, Tashawn Bauer, Jaleel Johnson, a lot of these guys that, you know, especially with the defensive end, they've got about three guys that have mm-hmm. never really worked themselves into playing time. And, you know, Jaleel Johnson was a, was a uh, project last year, but now with Tom Johnson gone and Shamar Stefan gone guys who were, you know, you know, rotational players in their own right, even though Tom Johnson played 70% of snaps last year. um, I don't think Jaleel Johnson would ever get to that amount this year, but he has a chance now to be a real part of this rotation. Um, And they obviously need to draft somebody else. So rotation wise, they're not there yet, which makes me kind of pause when I'm taking a look at the big picture of how good this defensive line is compared to the rest of the NFC. And after the draft, we can definitely have this conversation again to see kind of where everybody played out and where some of those draft picks will fit in. So we'll keep this episode short and we will be back with you soon. Thanks for listening to the Purple Podcast.